Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another weekly interview with Inspired Jewish Women. I have such a good friend joining us today. Dina, we were never in the same class or in the same school, but right. we were always friends. And your mother was my teacher. Moralea, the famous kindergarten teacher. Nitivot Hatora. I remember her with her guitar. And as much time and space have come between us, our friendship has always stayed really beautifully strong. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. And now as we kind of grow into our adult years, are we seriously doing this adult thing? Especially yeah. if we have like almost adult children. I somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Dina Greenberg is joining us today to share some incredible wisdom. And I'm just going to read a short bio, which it doesn't even do justice, Dina, but I love how this was written. So Dina's roots are firmly planted in Toronto, believing that her role as a Jewish woman flourishes and is able to grow there. And really, it grows so much further than Toronto. Your reach has been incredibly far and powerful. Dina has spearheaded many grand-scale Jewish initiatives in Toronto. The first 3,000 women chalabake. That is incredible. The God El Baz concert. What year was that? That was also like Shabbos project related around 2014. How many people came to that? 2,800. The Shuk visits. We shipped their product. We rebuilt and recreated Shuk Machane Yehuda here in Toronto. And we had 12,000 people attend that event. And you did that a couple times, right? We did that three times. Well, your passion shines through in helping Jewish women and families through difficult times, especially the parent-teen relationships, like the ones that we're in right now. <laughs> we have firsthand experience, right? You allow people to focus on the beauty of what they have rather than what they do not. And Dina now lives in Thornhill, where you've lived your whole life, well, since five. Dina, your house is like a revolving door. Whenever yeah. I'm in town, we just literally like just pull over and just like hop in. Oh, is Dina home? Is she, right? It's amazing. Your house is right there in the center of the whole Jewish community of Thornhill. And Dina is living there with her second husband, Ami, who adores her. He is so blessed. And there are seven combined children. We are so excited to have this conversation. And the conversation today is going to be on second chances. I want to hear your wisdom and your experiences having a second marriage. We're going to focus mainly on that today. Or anything that we're starting anew. We believe in the power of teshuva, of repentance, that no matter what, we could always recreate ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have great sages in Jewish history that have recreated themselves. We have Shammai and Avtalion, these two great teachers. They were the teachers of Hillel and Shammai. And we we know that they were actually converts, Jews by choice. They stepped into their Judaism at a later stage and they became great later on in life. We have the story of Rabbi Akiva, who starts his Jewish journey so late into life at 40 years old, he learns the Aleph Bet. Again and again, we see that every new day is like a new slate, a new chance. So give us a little bit of what you're going through and some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. Just to preface this, I want to be sensitive to my children. I want to be sensitive to my ex-husband. I want to be sensitive 
sensitive to my new husband. I'm very open when it comes to one-on-one conversations. I'm going to focus on what's really important, which is the moving forward stage. So I was married for 20 years. I got married at 19 years old and my husband and I lived in Toronto and we had four incredible, amazing children. My son just turned 21. And then I have three daughters who are 19, 16 and 11. And we went through life, a lot of battle, a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of trying, a lot of trial, tribulation, good times, bad times. It was hard and good and sad and happy. A lot of what everyone's going through, but we both knew it wasn't the right thing. We both knew it was going to be time to move on. Our children were older and we ended up moving forward. We ended up getting divorced recently, about three years ago. And very soon after that, people would call and say, oh, I have someone for you. Or have you ever thought about getting remarried? And my answer at the very beginning was, let's just stay here a little while, you know, and then I started getting really comfortable in my own room. I kind of built my own job up. My kids started to get over that trauma and hardship of divorce, which everybody goes through. And you really start to think, to yourself, I was lonely. It doesn't mean that everybody would be. It doesn't mean that everybody's choice is to get remarried. Some people, their choice is to stay single or to focus on just their children for a while or to hang out with their friends. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I just thought, I really miss that very intimate relationship. I miss having that person to speak to. I miss going to sleep with somebody at night to kind of hash out the day, how it went. And so I got on J-Date. It was crazy. I don't know if I should say get on J-Date or don't get on J-Date. I'll tell you my experience with J-Date. There was a lot of really icky stuff and a lot of really weird stuff and people who are not on there for the reasons that you're on there for or people that are not a match with you. And I found that the most important thing for myself, and I'm going to give this as my first piece of advice for anybody who's going into a second marriage is to be yourself as much of yourself as possible. Because I stopped and I thought to myself, every time I get on there, I'm in like a picture with my makeup done and my hair looks good and I'm always like polished. Then what happens if I see that person like five times and then on the sixth time I'm in my pajamas and like my pimple cream all over my face. I'm like, I'm ready for bed. And he's like, whoa, I, I don't know who you are. I wanted to give all the beginning so that I knew that the person who was contacting me or speaking to me really knew that it was me. For example, I put full body shots. I'm not a small person. I'm not a size zero or size two person. I'm a person who loves life. I love to eat. I love social interactions. I love to be with my friends. And I wanted people to know that about me. I didn't want to put like, you know, those like face shots where like all your double chins are gone. You know, I didn't want to put that out there because I just thought how disappointing for a person who meets me later on to see, oh, wait a minute. That's not what you look like in your picture. So again, be yourself to be yourself, not only in your photos, but also in your personality and to be verbal about the things you really like, the things you're looking for, the things you need. And we talk a lot about in first marriages, when we deal with like, you know, uh, matchmaking in first marriages or dating in first marriages about, you know, you make a list about the things you're looking for in a person. And that list is going to change. I'm telling you now, the list that you made when you were 19 is not the list you're going to make when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, however old you're going to be going into your second marriage relationship. That's fine. And most of your new list will be based on what you were missing in your past list. And that's also fine. It's actually really good. But let's say example one was you wanted a really wealthy guy because you grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of money. You heard your parents fighting your whole life. You didn't want to be in that situation. So list number one is money. Okay. And it's 
it's not a bad thing to be on your list. It's totally acceptable. Anything you put on your list is acceptable because it's what you feel you need. You can say you want all these things that are kind of deemed shallow or not appropriate. They're fine. Those are things you need to be happy. You have to look within yourself and make sure those are things that will make you happy. But those pieces of the puzzle are going to be the opposite of what you're looking for in your next marriage. Like, for example, you looked for money in your first marriage. Maybe you had it because you know what? It was on your list and you got it. But you know what? When somebody spends their whole life making money and making money and working and working, they don't have so much time for anything else. And so maybe because that person's making money, you are feeling like, I didn't get enough of that person. I didn't get enough personal time or personal attention. And so then you will like kind of inadvertently on your next list, you'll put personal time and attention, which most probably will mean that he isn't like one of these hustling, go-getter, you know, people that's like out there. And I always thought that I would absolutely have to be with someone like that, who is just like out there and loud and and a community doer. And I want it to be this like dynamic power couple. Mm -hmm. My husband, Ami, is the exact opposite of me in every single way. However, he fits 99% of the criteria that I knew would be good for me at this stage of my life. Experience has become your greatest teacher. And it will be the greatest teacher for anybody who's out there. The more I speak to a huge group of single slash divorced slash remarried, widowed friends that have cultivated this group that I never really knew existed. And I would say all of them base their future relationships on their past experience, whether it's I really like this about my first husband and I'd really like to find someone who's the same or I really didn't like this about my last relationship. So I'm going to try to find someone who fosters a different narrative on that characteristic for me, for my future. Past experience will have a huge, great impact on that kind of thing. So that's really important is be yourself. I, I remember so well when I first went to go meet Ami's parents in uh, Silver Spring and it was the first time I met them. And I didn't do anything special. Like I didn't get dressed up. I didn't, I was not nervous at all. It was such a good feeling. And I was thinking about it afterwards. And I thought to myself, why? Because it doesn't really matter to me if they like my personality or they don't like my personality. I love their son deeply. He loves me deeply. We'll learn to get along. We can get along with anybody. You don't have to be the same as you. But that pressure's off when you learn to just be yourself and really advocate for what you need and who you are. His dad made a comment at one point about... um, about me. And it was like, you know, something about my, my big personality. And I was like, yeah, I have a big personality. That's right. Right. I love how comfortable you are with all your stuff, you know, the good and the bad, like just yeah. this is who I am. It's yeah. that's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. thing. And I think that people really have to understand that before going out mm. and understanding that you're going to go into a next relationship, you must be comfortable with who you are. I promise you that on paper, everybody looks so good. The references people give are not from the counselor that you quit on his job on the first day of camp. If paper's not real life, what you see is what they want you to see. I always say my least favorite word in dating is picky. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be picky because it's your life. You should be picky. You should want particular things. But this word picky is really a terrible word when talking about relationships, in my opinion. Nobody is perfect. And so what happens is if you are looking for the perfect person, two things can happen. One, you think you found the perfect person and then you live with them and then you're like, oh no, what did I do? They're not perfect. But if you embrace the other person's imperfections, right, then you're opening a much larger pool of people to choose from for your future relationships. 
I see it all the time. I had a matchmaker call me two days ago and this is what she said to me. She said, I have a really great guy. He's 58 years old and he really wants a wife who is going to have kids with him. So right away in my head, I'm thinking like mathematically, that just doesn't work. Like if you're 58, a woman who's in childbearing years is like up to what max nowadays, what, let's say 45 Let's say that's like really the max, 42, 43, something around there. And is she going to want to go out with someone who's almost 60? Will a 45-year-old woman or a 43-year-old woman want to go out with someone who's 60, who hasn't been married and doesn't have children of their own? So my answer was like, is he open to adoption? Is he open to fathering children that she already has? Like, in other words, you're looking for this perfect person. You know, I want a 38-year-old who has brown hair. She wants to have children with a 60-year-old. Um, she wants to live on an island with me and I'll be the only person that she ever speaks to. <laughs> reality check. None of us are perfect. And that's the reality check. There has to be flexibility. Yes, yes. And I actually asked Ami before getting on this, like what I'm allowed to divulge about our relationship and what I'm not. And he was just like, you do you just go. So um, this is what I want to divulge. Okay. So I would say we spoke, you know, every day for about six hours on video chat, very important texting, ditch it, ditch the text. It makes no sense. There's no intonation. You misread things. Emojis are not emotions. They're just not. They're pictures, they're not emotions. You can feel emotion from people. You can see tears, you can see smiles, you can see empathy, you can see pride, you can see power and passion. You need it in person. So we spoke for three weeks, about six to seven hours a day on video chat. And uh, it was amazing and phenomenal. And then after about three weeks, Every time we spoke, he's like, I have to tell you something and you're going to break up with me for like the next five times. Didn't matter to me what he said that I would not break up with him. There wow. was like nothing that he could have said. And he well, said what, some pretty, pretty big things. So some of the things that I would share are like, he's diabetic, got through that one. He was married twice before. That's a big one. On paper, most women would see, I'm going to be the third wife. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a third wife, right? On paper, if you only see that on paper, you're like... X next, but I would have missed out on the love of my life had I X'd him just by reading that paper. Chances are so important. Learning a person's personality. I said right away, if you're diabetic, by the way, I said, my brother's diabetic too. I know all about diabetes. You know, I know all the medications, send me a list of your medications in case I'm with you and you get involved. And it's like, you are me. We become each other. We become a support for each other. And tell me about your last two marriages. What are they like? Did you have children with them? How are we going to work this into our relationship? Is that possible? And it becomes just part of your regular life. Women that I know do anything and everything for their families. They would do anything to keep their families together. They would do anything to create a harmonious space for their families. If they're getting divorced, there was a really huge good reason to do that. They know they're splitting their families up. There's no such thing as this beautiful, amicable, loving, wonderful, divorced family. If people tell you they are, there's a lot they're not telling you. Let's just leave it at that. And people wouldn't get divorced if they were able to be so amicable and loving and wonderful. And yes, you can share kids and you can drop off and you can say hi and happy birthday and oh, let's make Abba a birthday present. That's fine. All that stuff is fine. But I wanted to know deep inside when you split up with those two ex-wives, 
what was the story, you know? And if you're able to be so honest and so deeply rooted in it that you can share it with your future partner, you can get through anything. He actually still works for his ex-wife's family and talks to her through the business all the time. And so when I went to Pittsburgh, I actually spent Shabbos at his ex-wife's brother's house. They're one of our best friends in Pittsburgh. You were able to be so calm in the moment and not get ruffled and not get upset. Really gave him the security to know like he could talk to you about anything. Right. He could be transparent with you. Right. One of my teenagers kind of pulled the wool over my eyes during Corona. And at one point he said to me, mommy, I have to tell you something. And I said to him, whatever you tell me, I, I can handle it. It's okay. Like I got this. And I just like, whatever it was, wasn't even such a big deal, but there was like, it felt like a big deal. And I could have freaked out, you know, even before hearing what it was like, just even inside internally, but the calmness of like, okay, whatever it is, we're going to handle this. We're going to get through it together. It kind of, it really sets the stage for, for so much work, so much connection, like whatever it is, it's not too much. Let's do this. And you have to realize he's not the only one who's telling me that he has a big things. I had big things to share. I had my own big things to share. And it, it kind of went backwards and forwards. And the point here is you need to be yourself in order to find the right person. You must share the deepest parts of yourself. Worst comes to worst, what? I would have said, sorry, bud, I cannot deal with that. So then he would have known I'm not the right person for him. That's all. You have to really know those parts of you very, very well. You know, what else? Red flags. This is like, you know, there's so much honesty. You know, I talk about this term red flags. Okay. Red flags. Look for them. Don't use the term red flags like this horrible. Oh my God. Are there any red flags? You got to break up with him. No. Red flags is your inside soul and gut showing you this might not be the right path you need to take. And it doesn't have to be only in marriage. It can be anywhere. It can be, well, why do I keep getting blocked on this side? And why is this not working out? And how come our personalities just don't mesh? It's not working for us. They're red flags. You're going in with your eyes wide open. And unfortunately, I think in the dating world, we want perfection. We just want it to be good. We want it to move forward, you know, whether we're lonely or whatever it is, we're getting older, whatever the case. And Many times people will jump in, maybe ignoring certain red flags, but it's going to come back to right. bite you, right? Well, I did have it, you know, it was so funny when, when I mean, had told me that he was married twice before, I was like, I cannot tell my mom this. Wow. I can't right. tell her this. And I tell my mom everything. I am like, she is my best friend in the world. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Anyways, a few more weeks went by and I made sure that this guy was like the guy and then I told my mom and she goes, I knew that already. And I said, oh. how did you know that? So it turns out that I have an old friend from Toronto who lived in Pittsburgh, who now lives in Israel and her mom and my mom were good friends. And she mentioned something to my mom and my mom was like, I'll just wait until Dina tells me. And I was like, I knew from like the second time I met him, it was one of the very first things that he was open about, but I just couldn't find the courage in myself to tell my mom or anyone, my friends, my kids. I didn't tell my kids till much later. That's okay too. Interesting um, your mom didn't tell you. She must've seen right. that there's so much good that it wasn't, just, it wasn't such a big and, and the relationship between my parents and him now oh. and my kids and him and my everything. And I'm not 
not saying that it was without struggle for my children. It was with immense struggle for my children. We did get married during COVID. We were dating during COVID. And then when the borders closed, he was like, I'm coming to Canada. We'll figure out the borders from there. And then he literally never left. We gave him a room in our basement downstairs. And we were living in the same house for three months during Corona. And it was very hard. It was like, good night you know dad, but we had like all these eyes watching us all the time like what's happening here I call it like a showmare like a guard right but not just that I learned that he was a man of such integrity and respect because he never took one step up our stairs not once ever he'd never even seen my room or upstairs or I remember one time the washroom was flooding upstairs and he asked permission from my three daughters if he could come upstairs just to fix the toilet he was like that's their space it's your space and through like all that kind of dating and, and situations and living in the same house, we learned that this guy is like just one in a million. We really got to know this like kind of inner deeper part of him. But I will say that even though it looks fairy tale on the outside, because it does, it's like, oh, got divorced three years ago, then very quickly met somebody that I fell in love with and we got married during Corona. Everything's great. He moved, he immigrated. It's not as it seems. First of all, we still haven't even hit the submit button on our immigration papers because the papers take so long to get everything that you need just to attach to your submission. So it's like a whole nother crazy experience. And then there was kids, right? We have seven kids between us and they're not babies that you just throw in a playpen together. We have kids who are completely not religious at all. We have kids who have full body tattoos. I'm not going to tell you who's is who. You can guess. <laughs> we have kids with belly button piercing and kids who don't keep Shabbat, you know, in their room. We have kids from all different backgrounds together. His kids are a bit older than yours, right? His youngest is 19 and okay. my oldest is 21. Okay. So the, the top three kids really overlap. He has a 24 year old, a 23 year old, a 19 year old, and I have a 21 year old, a 19 year old. And then my 16 and 11 are kind of like a little bit younger. He's a grandfather. Yeah. His daughter has a delicious, sweet baby. And also she married a Spanish guy. His name is Juan. So her name is Sara, and his name is Juan. And they have this beautiful little baby. And again, there's a lot of struggle. Nothing is smooth and easy, but we all make it work because we're all respectful. You know, when Ami's kids come here for a couple of months, is it upheaval? Sure. It's upheaval for my kids, for his kids. He's moving into a new house with his stepmother. I'm a stepmom. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a lot of rules in my house, you know, like we're Canadian. We take our shoes off when you come in the house, right? <laughs> like you have to learn that like, everybody has to, you know, adjust and kind of figure out his kids are wonderful. All of them. I'm so lucky to have created a special relationship with each of them. I love that they can kind of call me on the side or say, can you help me with this? Or whether it's, you know, a resume or a school project or some, you know, questions about momhood. I love that. I have that with them. Are we the same? We're not the same. None of us are the same. But if you think about it like this, no one in this world is the same. I'm not the same as my own children. I'm not the same as my husband, as my ex-husband. Everybody is different. And if everybody could just respect the other person in a way that is so welcoming, otherwise you miss out on these incredible relationships and really getting to know another family, another extended family. I can't wait to meet all of Ami's siblings. Never met any of them. You know, we're all kind of on Zoom. We do a Safta story time on Zoom every week that his mom reads stories to all the grandchildren. So you kind of get to see all of his siblings. But everyone in the family is just committed to love is a cheesy word, committed to making it work. 
everyone. I want to share a quote, a quote from Oprah. Okay. Challenges are gifts that force for a new center of gravity. Don't fight them. Just find a new way to stand. Imagine a tree. If the tree is standing so straight, when the wind blows, it might crack. There might be branches that are going to fall off, Mm -hmm. but a tree that has a little bit of flexibility and make space for other people will survive. And I find that we do that with friends all yeah. the time or coworkers right. or bosses. We tend to less do it with our own families, with our own children, with our own parents, with our siblings, our new husbands. It's a great quote and I really like it a lot. And you're right, that flexibility and just that welcomeness, welcome the challenge. And I think it's also a commitment to making it work no matter what. Like there was a certain time during your dating process when it was good enough for you to say, I'm in whatever it's going to be, whatever you're going to tell me, I'm okay with it. I'm committed to making this work. And I think that that commitment is really your core of how you're moving through. There's always going to be challenges, you know, and there's more to come, please God. Always and more to come. Exactly. And this is part of life. And I just, I don't believe that we were born to like born work, pay your bills and die. That's not what life is about. You know, the really the essence of life is to really work on yourself to be able to accept these challenges. Like as Oprah said, as a new beginning, as a a new place to stand and a new place to start. And I really feel that if people can understand that part about themselves, just ditch these lists of, I want this, 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 sit into your list again and think about that list. And then Don't dismiss people because of their own lists. If you can focus on that, you'll find somebody out there. They're out there because even your imperfections and bad things you have about yourself, you found someone who's willing that he's willing to now accept everything as a new beginning. It just depends what you're going to focus on. There's so much good. That negative talk, I have this and I have that. And who would want me? Who wouldn't want you, Dina? It's your personality. It's your soul. It's your whole essence. Everything about you that is so magnetic. So he saw that he's clearly a big guy. He's clearly worthy of being with you because he was able to see your strengths and your virtues. Amazing. It's such a bracha. It is a bracha. And it's also recognized that it is a bracha. It's a blessing to have been able to even meet him. I remember the first thing he said to me on this app by text was, I know you probably won't reply to me, but I just wanted to tell you that your smile is absolutely incredible. And I would love to get to know you more. Oh, And that was the first thing he said. And it was not a great picture of me, but I felt that the real me was coming through was like a little bit kind of on the side. And it was like, it wasn't a great, you know, it wasn't like a headshot that we all get these fancy headshots and glamour shots where they like fuzz over your face and you have no lines. You remember glamour shots shots in Toronto? I got my yearbook picture or I don't remember was a yearbook but definitely in my senior year I went with all my friends it was really upsetting because they only do the front of your hair my hair was all gorgeous but the back wasn't even like blow-dried it was just like straggly it was like come on just do the full thing but it was so surface exactly what I'm trying to say and you want to avoid it avoid the surface because when you get married the surface hardly matters it's really what's in there and what you see every day and what's important you know i'm not saying you shouldn't be attracted to the person that you're married to or but very very often they say beauty is the only skin deep or beauty is in the eye of the beholder very often, you know, even if you're dealing, you know, I deal with my teens all the time and, you know, they'll say, oh, look at this girl, isn't she pretty? And I'm like, 
she looks like a girl, you know, but you know, they'll say, but she did this and she did that. And they know her personality. And the more, the more your personality comes out, the more beauty can shine from within you. And same as the other way, you know, a person who's constantly gossiping about other people or a person who's constantly just a miserable kind of negative personality, you may have the most beautiful face in the world, but people won't see it. They just won't see that. Inner beauty is really, in my opinion, manifested by openness, by honesty, by really allowing people to be their true selves and you accepting them. Beautiful. Last night or this morning, I was going down this trip down memory lane and everyone was like starry eyed and fresh and excited. And there was like this energy that you could tell from the picture. It was like something new and that thing ended. And there's obviously a little pain in that. And now here I am starting again with a new group of women that I don't know, and we're going to try to build something. My takeaway from our conversation is that when one door closes, another one opens and there's a certain magic in new beginnings. I was at your first wedding. I remember seeing you there. Remember I taught dancing at your wedding? Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. The Simcha dancer. I'll never forget. You were so excited. And life took 20 years later. Things didn't turn out the way that we had all hoped and blessed you on that wedding day. But I look at you now and I see, wow, you're, you're even, you're a better version of yourself not in despite of it, it's because of it, because of all the challenges. And just one thing I want to end with, I had a profound experience a couple years ago. I went with one of my women to get a get. Okay, so get the Jewish divorce. When you literally take the marriage contract, they cut it with a knife, right? You know, right? You've you've been there. It's it's a whole procedure, right? It's like you have a whole, like a bunch of rabbis sitting up there. It's a very serious experience. It was actually a very profound experience for me. I, I, I remember walking out and feeling I, every person that's about to get married should first see a get like should, should watch how important it is. There's a lot that goes into it. It's full of emotion and it's very serious. And if we realized how serious it is to, to exit a marriage, how much more so should we understand how incredible and powerful entering a marriage is. So the beauty of the experience with my friends, she asked me to support her. We went together. It was very, very moving. And when we walked out, it was like this new beginning. It was very, very emotional and hard and sad. And even as she was going in, her husband, soon to be ex-husband, was literally calling her to say, are you sure? I still love you. Like, it was so confusing. Like It was like, by Hashem, like, I I felt for her. But she knew that she needed to do this. It was the right thing for her at that time. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking out, and it was almost like walking out or walking, like opening a new door. I see where she is now a couple years later and how she did what she needed to do. She needed to close one door and open another. And so much blessing came to her. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm taking away, this excitement, this magic in new beginnings. You really hit the nail on the head with that. A lot of it is your perspective, right? Your attitude, your commitment. But if you are in a good place within yourself and you're walking into the next part of your life with positivity and embracing the future, I think you could go really far. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I want to say also that so many women and men, I've been reached out to by women and men with questions like, how do I know? that it's time to end my marriage. I'm not a marriage counselor. I don't I don't claim to be or anything. And I walk them through a few things. I point them in the direction of a good therapist, counselor. But usually my answer is, if you're asking me, how do I know? Then you're not ready to end your marriage yet. 
because when your marriage is ready to end, you know, it's not a maybe you are making this decision for your entire family and the future of your life and your children's life and your ex-husband's life. And people are still trying to convince you not to. I had so many phone calls. I'm going to invite you and your ex to my house for Shabbat and I'll make Shalom Bayit. I'm, you know, let me, let me get involved. Let me talk to your ex. Let me talk to him. Let's see if we can work this out. You know, so many, and even at the actual get, or even with the actual rabbi, when you're organizing the get, you have to push. They make you push for it. They really are extremely serious about ending a marriage. Unfortunately, a get has been in the past used by people to uh, hold a woman or a man, I think there has been times, but mainly women, from moving on in their lives. It's a horrible thing. It's a very difficult thing. I was blessed that my ex-husband did not do that. He gave me a get right away with no issue or no problem. And it was a huge bracha to me. It was extremely hard for him. It was hard for me too, but I know that it was hard for him. I know that it was not an easy thing for him to do. And yeah, watching them take an actual knife and slice up our get, our marriage contract and then give it to him. And he had to give it to me in my hand and then kind of make this announcement that this is the end and whatever. And then you leave and you're like, I'm on my own. I was married for 20 years. It's a long time, really long time. And it's most of my young adulthood from 20 to 40, right? But yes, the new beginning is what you want to focus on. And it doesn't come the first day. It doesn't even come for some people the first year or two years, but you'll see down the road that if you're really honest with yourself and accept people for who they are, that's my one thing. If I want you to take away is accept people for who they are, whether it's people you're dating, your children, your teens, that's a hard one. I know it's a hard one. Believe me, I have stories. I'm not going to get into them here. <laughs> Another show, um, but accept them for who they are. It doesn't mean you have to marry them. It just means this is who they are. This is who I am. We can be different. We can cohabitate. We can be friends. Your life will change. Your whole life will change. And all your opportunities ahead of you will change too. Wow. Well, thank you for that. I'm just going to end with a quote from, I think it was Albert Einstein, who said, learn from yesterday, live for today and hope for tomorrow. So thank you, Dina, for giving us so much hope and so much to think about. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable. If anyone would like to find you or reach out if they have personal questions about their own lives, you're just such a giving person. How could we find you? How could we reach you? I have a website. It's dinaliba.com with one E and one I, dinaliba.com. And you can get me there. We're on Facebook, Dina Greenberg. I'm pretty reachable. Or through me. Thank you so, so much. This was amazing. So nice to speak to you always. So happy that you asked me to do this, Eve. Like our relationship, you know, it's evolved through the years and it's, it's just gotten, you know, better and more substantial. Like my big sister, I look up to you tremendously. Oh. And it never, it never stopped. So, and you continue to just inspire me. So you should be well, Dina. You should continue. Have a beautiful marriage, beautiful life. Only naches, good things from your children and lots of strength. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspire Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural 
because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.